<laughs> it's like y'all made him. <laughs> right. This, this is your yeah, guy. You, you took his swag away. <laughs> exactly. All right. You wouldn't like him. You wouldn't let him hang out with you otherwise. Exactly. Ready? Born ready. Sir Ramal got you. Sir Ramal got you. Hello, we are back for another episode of your favorite political podcast, Where the Party At? I'm your host, Sabalong. As always, thank you for rocking with us. I know we've been MIA for a couple weeks, but we are back. We are back taping on a rainy, stormy Monday night, but you'll be hearing us on what hopefully is a bright and sunny Tuesday morning. Let's hop right into what is happening in the world of Atlanta politics. Of course, we've got to start with the story of the decade, Cop City. As always, there's always something. Every time we tape, there's always something interesting happening with Cop City. So the latest, I think this that we may have mentioned this before, but the opposition has gathered more than 100,000 signatures. Now, we still don't know how many of those are valid. Right. So the big news last week was that the city plans to require signature verification matches. So that means that when you sign a petition, they want to verify that your signature is the same as what on your voter registration. Now, if this sounds familiar. It's because this is a tactic that Republicans and Georgia tried to implement in elections here across the state. And at the time, Democrats came out against it, including Stacey Abrams, uh, Andre Dickens, Mayor Andre Dickens, and others, saying that this is not okay. Um, a number of Democrats in the state legislature have come out against the signature verification. I haven't seen, at least not yet, a lot of conversation on the city council about it. But here's what's odd is we're kind of getting mixed signals. So the former city clerk said last week when he was asked in the media about signature match, he said that the city was not inclined. Take a listen to what he said exactly. It's changed. So we understand that signatures may vary. They may change over years. They may change due to medical reasons or just period. People may change their signature. So that's the reason why we are not inclined to do signature exact matching. Uh, that's not anything that we've ever contemplated or even thought about doing. So it sounds like he's saying not required or not inclined. It's not clear on that, um, but sounded like not inclined, which would mean that he's leaving the door open. But then after that, a couple of days after that clip, a couple of days later, here's what he said to the AJC, and I quote, 
The city of Atlanta will not engage in signature exact matching. We will only utilize individual inspection of signatures as an aid to determine validity when clarity is needed. Penmanship, legibility, authenticity, and condition of each petition will be factors and how long the verification will take. So again, that to me sounds like we'll do a version of signature matching, right? It's almost like signature matching by another name. That's how I read that. Um, here's what Nakima Williams, who's a congresswoman, uh, formerly of, she has what was Congressman John Lewis's seat, and she's the head of the Democratic Party of Georgia. She said that she had a conversation with Mayor Andre Dickens, and she says, and I quote, he shares my concerns over using an exact max signature process to verify petition signers, as it has been proven to disproportionately impact voters of color. And then she goes on to say, the city of Atlanta must pioneer a transparent system that ensures everyone who is eligible and chooses has the opportunity to participate in the petition drive. So far, Ossoff and Warnock have not said anything. Um, so the city said that if a question arises about a signer, so someone who signed, at least two people will review that signature. And then if, if the signature still is in question, if they still have doubts about it, then they will send a notice to the address listed on that signature, right? So when you sign, you have to give them your phone number and your address, and that's why, because they're going to call you if there's an issue with your signature. Now, there's a lot of questions about who will be the reviewers. You know, one um, rumor, and it's not sure yet if that's going to happen, but one rumor is that the Carter Center will step in and they've been asked, at least by some folks, that's the rumor that they've been asked to step in as a neutral arbiter um, so that it's not just the city versus the opposition and that you've got a neutral third party there. And then, of course, there's the money component of all this. The city told the AJC that they estimate that this will cost about two and a half or so million dollars um, in legal fees. So between 500 to a million just on signature validation and then another one to two million on legal fees. Just for Cop City. <laughs> this is just for the this is just about getting it on the ballot. We haven't even talked about if it's on the ballot and then the city tries to sue to appeal uh, the ballot referendum. Like if, if the referendum passes, for example, if the city tries to appeal that. Quite fascinating. Uh, moving on into some other Georgia-related news. Uh, if you have not been hiding under a rock, you have seen the mugshots from Trump and his co-defendants. Uh, they were all booked in the Fulton County Jail. And this is the first time of all these folks that there was actually a mugshot, which is, you know, was a big deal for people. It's the first time that a uh, former United States president has had a mugshot. Um, a federal judge has scheduled Trump's federal trial for March 4th, which is the day before Super Tuesday when a number of states would be voting in the primary election. And then we're talking about a September or so start date for a trial here in Georgia. 
Trump's legal team is pushing for a 2026 trial. Uh, they want to extend this out as far as they can. What I thought was interesting, and we'll talk about it a little bit later in the pod, is that Trump raised $7.1 million since that mugshot was released. Yeah, I, I could see the mugshot. <laughs> yeah, I put it like this. The mugshot almost guarantees that he's definitely going to be the president. Like this, this is, um, it reminds me of when he ran the first time, how he just kept doing things. So like the news was like free mm-hmm. publicity yep. <laughs> to the point where like, he even has a mugshot and he, you know, cause he took the mugshot on purpose. Right. Exactly. So it's not like he was caught off guard. It's not like normal mugshots where they like, you know, are dragging you into the, police office like you're at the precinct and he made that face on purpose that's all right. I, that's all i think about when i see his his mugshot is he purposely did this scout yeah, it was a marketing play and then posted it was it very on clear yeah and then posted it on twitter right and posted on twitter they've made merch out of it i mean that's where they're making most of their money is merch yeah i mean he has the and same i think if the shirt says something like never back down or something to that effect he literally has the same street cred as Young Thug right now. And if you don't think that's going to influence young black voters who just vote just to vote. And that's interesting because Dinesh D'Souza, who's a Republican, and somebody else made some kind of similar comment. And I thought it was crazy, but you think that there's something there. Yes, I, and they said I know they said something there. young. They said something to the effect of young black men will see themselves in Trump because of this mugshot. Yes, and not just the mugshot. The Rico and him having the same charge, same DA, same everything as Young Thug. You know, and especially if you have like somebody who, I, <laughs> Lord, don't like that. Especially if you have somebody who can like use that in some type of um advertising they'll put that out there like somebody has already done like an ai version of his voice rapping like first day out so it's it's, that's depressing that is depressing af yeah i i don't think i wish you wouldn't have done it or just do it like everybody else and not make him take a mugshot you know like the giuliani mugshot that looks sad like he was, yes. oh man, <laughs> right? You know, like that was, that's that was not done on purpose. <laughs> yeah, see the Trump one. As soon as he, as soon as he made that face, he shouldn't be like, no, nah, erase it. We're not putting it out. Right? Yeah, it's free publicity. Yeah. Like they have a, I saw the last thing I saw one merch with him and all the rappers mugshot. So it was like his mugshot, Jay Z's, DMX, you know, is Robert Downey Jr. You know, and even with that, because you look at those people. And those people are now successful, right? That's crazy. But do you, but if the folks who think that Trump now has, if there are young black people who think that Trump now has street cred, they need to go back and listen to what Trump has said about young black people who have been incarcerated. Yeah, that that and, was that was then, this is now. That, and that's how the young people are looking at it. And like I said, mugshots, if you look at all the famous people's mugshots, you have Iron Man's mugshot. Like, you're right next to Iron Man. So if he could turn around, 
why can't Trump? Like, there's so many things that could play into this mugshot that it's like they handed him publicity. Mm. You know? Man, that's that's just wild. But we're going to hold that for later. If, you, if you've already seen the show notes, Keith, you know why. Um, so to the topic that everyone was has been messaging me and asking me about, like, hey, are you going to talk about the Republican debate? Of course I am. I watched it so that you didn't have to, but although you should watch it, it's it's worthwhile. I, I honestly, I think it's no matter your political affiliation, I think you should always watch um, the debates of the party opposite that you might vote. That might, you might be inclined to vote. So uh, some highlights, Fox News started the debate by playing some of Oliver Anthony's song, song uh, Richmond, North of Richmond, which kind of threw a lot of folks off who were like, wait, what in the world's going on? Um, after the fact, Oliver tweeted, um, and I quote here, I don't support either side politically, not the left, not the right. I'm about supporting people and restoring local communities. Now go breathe some fresh air and relax, please. I'm not worth obsessing over. I promise. Go spend time with your loved ones. So if you haven't heard his song, it's um, really, if the folks on this debate stage really listen to it, he's talking about, he's right in his tweet, he's talking about Republicans and Democrats. When he says Richmond, north of Richmond, he's talking about people in D.C. and the political establishment and the political elite. Um, and he's talking about the fact that um, for a lot of people, America, the American dream is not attainable. So that's how the debate started. And then it went into, um, there's some interesting clips here of folks that I think you should pay attention to of what they said. Um, we're not going to do the entire debate, but we'll just highlight some bits of it. So first, I want you to hear from Nikki Haley. Take a listen. Well, I don't care about polls. What I care about the fact is that no one is telling the American people the truth. The truth is that Biden didn't do this to us. Our Republicans did this to us, too. When they passed that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill, they left us with 90 million people on Medicaid, 42 million people on food stamps. No one has told you how to fix it. I'll tell you how to fix it. They need to stop the spending. They need to stop the borrowing. They need to eliminate the earmarks that the Republicans brought back in. And they need to make sure they understand these are taxpayer dollars. It's not their dollars. And while they're all saying this, you have Ron DeSantis, you've got Tim Scott, you've got Mike Pence. They all voted to raise the debt. And Donald Trump added $8 trillion to our debt. And our kids are never going to forgive us for this. And so at the end of the day, you look at the 2024 budget, Republicans asked for $7.4 billion in earmarks. Democrats asked for $2.8 billion. So you tell me who are the big spenders. I think it's time for an accountant in the White House. Vice President Pence. <laughs> you were mentioned there. So that line, I can imagine that that will end up being on a um, commercial for the Democrats in 2024. It was a, a line that was accurate. Um, it was a line that I think independents in particular probably appreciated, um, but it was not a Republican primary line of um, 
communication per se. Um, and it's not something that Republican primary voters necessarily probably wanted to hear because it attacked, you know, nearly everyone, including Trump. Uh, but she spit some facts. So I'm not mad about that. Um, next, let's hear from Mike Pence. You know, I, I sometimes struggle with the reading Look, I was, uh, I was a House conservative <laughs> leader before it was cool. I actually pushed a deficit reduction act that was the last time we actually reduced the national debt in the United States when I was the leader of House conservatives. I balanced budgets and cut taxes when I was governor. I mean, look, Joe Biden has weakened this country at home and abroad. Now is not the time for on-the-job training. We don't need to bring in a rookie. We don't need to bring in people without experience. We need to bring... That cracked me up because that was a clear attack line towards Ramaswamy uh, as far as on-the-job training was concerned. And what's interesting throughout the entire debate, Ramaswamy, Vivek Ramaswamy, the only millennial on the stage, seemed to absolutely irk, particularly uh, Pence, who you just heard, and then Nikki Haley. Like, those two in particular just seemed to absolutely drive like he drove them bonkers throughout the entire debate. It was kind of fascinating to watch. Um, there was one moment in the debate where the candidates were asked about climate change, and it was quite raucous and telling. Take a listen. Polls consistently show that young people's number one issue is climate change. How will you, as both president of the United States and leader of the Republican Party, calm their fears that the Republican Party doesn't care about climate change? So we want to start on this with a show of hands. Do you believe in human behavior is causing climate change. Raise your hand if you do. Well, look, we're not school children. Let's have the debate. I mean, I'm happy to take it to start. <laughs> Alexander, <laughs> so do you want to raise your hand or not? <laughs> I don't think that's yeah. the way to do. So let me just say to Alexander this. First of all, one of the reasons our country's decline is because of the way the corporate media treats Republicans versus Democrats. Biden was on the beach while those people were suffering. He was asked about it. He said, no comment. Are you kidding? That was one of the most bizarre moments of the debate for me. That was an opportunity for Republicans to make some inroads with young voters who were um, overwhelmingly moving to the Democratic Party, even though they don't agree with the Democratic Party or identify as Democrats, they are more likely to vote Democrat than they are Republican. And that was a real opportunity for them, and they absolutely blew it. Um, and I thought that was really unfortunate, especially given everything that's happening from a global climate standpoint right now. They mentioned Hawaii. They mentioned uh, other parts of the world. And they just refused to play ball on that. Um, the other thing was abortion, a big topic. Um, let's listen to a couple of the candidates talk about abortion and where they stand on the issue. First up is Nikki Haley. And to your state, which today confirmed a six-week abortion law as well, especially the impact on women suburban voters across this country. Thank you, Martha. I am unapologetically pro-life, not because the Republican Party tells me to be, 
but because my husband was adopted and I had trouble having both of my children. So I'm surrounded by blessings. Having said that, we need to stop demonizing this issue. This is talking about the fact that unelected justices didn't need to decide something this personal because it's personal for every woman and man. Now it's been put in the hands of the people. That's great. When it comes to a federal ban, let's be honest with the American people and say it will take 60 Senate votes. It will take a majority of the House. So in order to do that, let's find consensus. Can't we all agree that we should ban late-term abortions? Can't we all agree that we should encourage adoptions? Can't we all agree that doctors and nurses who don't believe in abortion shouldn't have to perform them? Can't we all agree that contraception should be available? And can't we all agree that we are not going to put a woman in jail or give her the death penalty if she gets an abortion? Let's treat this like the like a respectful issue that it is and humanize the situation and stop demonizing the situation. Brett. That was Nikki Haley. Again, she was the only woman on the stage, so I think she felt like she was able to command that conversation in a way that the men were not able to, but they certainly had plenty to say. Let's hear from DeSantis. But second of all, look, um, you got to do what you think is right. I believe in a culture of life. Uh, I was proud to sign the heartbeat bill. Uh, I remember one of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter, uh, in my wife's womb, and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. What the Democrats are trying to do on this issue is wrong to allow abortion all the way up to the moment of birth. I know a lady in Florida named Penny. She survived multiple... So first of all, I will say it is in the hands of the people and that's where it should be. But when, when you're talking about a federal ban, be honest with the American people. We haven't honest. had 45 pro-life senators in over 100 years. So no Republican president can no, no, ban abortions any more than a Democrat president could ban all those state laws. Don't make women feel like they have to decide on this issue when you know we don't have 60 Senate votes in the House. 70 percent of the American people support legislation. But 70% of the Senate does not. Of experiencing okay. pain. We you know what? It's just going to take leadership. Hold on. 70% of the Senate does not. Okay, that was um, a really important exchange because in the earlier clip where you heard Nikki, and then again in this one, she's really leveling with the American people, regardless of where their stance is on the issue about the re the political realities. The political reality is that it takes 60 votes in the Senate, and right now Democrats have 50 and Republicans have 50. So no party is actually going to get exactly what they want on abortion because it has to require 60 votes, right? So whatever they do would have to require bipartisan support. And Pence and others have used, you know, rhetoric that is great for your base, but it's not rooted in the political realities. Uh, next, you'll hear from Doug Burgum, who is the governor of North Dakota. It's a bit of a surprise to be on the stage, um, but he had something to say about the issue as well. And I, I should note that he signed a six-week ban just as Governor Kemp did here in Georgia and just as Ron DeSantis did in Florida. Take a listen. Turn it back to the states. And then the next day they turn around and go, no, the feds should do that because the feds are stepping into people's lives. They're stepping into people's businesses. 
over and over. If we say that the Fed should be in on this one, where do we stop? I say that we follow the Constitution, and this is return to the states. This we, is where it should but be. But Governor Burgum, right. you signed a six-week ban. Time out. You signed a six-week ban. Governor Burgum, you signed a six-week ban. So you're saying federally, it's all going to go to the states. Yes, and what what is going to work in New York will never work in North Dakota, okay. and vice versa. That's Governor why Governor Hutchinson, that's right, right here. 50 states. This, this is too important of an issue that I have to address. So if it goes to the states like you're talking about, then we'll have, well, I mean, what we're seeing now, right? So you've got some states that are trying to codify access to an abortion in their state's constitution. And then you have states like Georgia uh, and North Dakota where there's a six-week ban than others like California, where the rules are quite different. And if you need certain services, you'll have to go to certain states. Uh, but then the other side of that is some of those states want to actually prosecute, prosecute you for seeking an abortion outside of your state. It's an incredibly complex conversation. Hey, um, hey, hey question. Do you, yeah. when, you, when you watch the debates, I know like the candidates are speaking, but... Do you also get a sense of what the base wants based on how they respond to the candidates? You know, like Nikki Haley saying what she's saying about abortion is completely sound, completely logical, but she's not getting a lot of claps. And as soon as right. they say, oh, no, I believe in, in, you know, full abortion ban, you know, roaring claps, you know. so Right. That yeah, I don't, I don't know how they selected the audience, but it was very much a MAGA audience based off of how folks reacted uh, throughout the debate. You heard a lot of boos. You'll hear that in the clip coming up. Um, you heard a lot of claps. It was a very rowdy um, audience, and I wonder when they do the next debate if they'll make any changes uh, because of just how rowdy the audience was. Um, next up, you'll hear about crime and federal prosecutors, and the reason why I'm playing this particular clip is because Republican governors like Brian Kemp and Ron DeSantis have come after local prosecutors, and then in this clip, you'll hear Chris Christie talk about, as a presidential candidate, um, where he thinks the federal government might step in um, to remove local prosecutors. Take a listen job and to arrest violent criminals. So what a President Christie would do is appoint an attorney general who would instruct each of the 93 U.S. attorneys that they are to take over the prosecution of violent crime in every one of those cities that are failing to do so. We have plenty of room in the federal prisons to lock up these violent criminals and clean up what's going on all across this country in these individual cities. Secondly, what we need to make sure that each and every one of these criminals understand. That's um, that's a lot. That's a lot to, to think about and unpack. And I, it was one of the things that was said that kind of got glossed over because, you know, folks were so much focused on who was fighting who. Uh, but that's something I think people should be paying attention to. Not that Chris Christie has a chance, but if Chris Christie is saying it, you can imagine that Whoever the Republican nominee is will be considering the same thing. Um, and then the person who was not on the stage but was talked about, um, let's hear some conversation about Trump first, Chris Christie, and you'll hear some of those boos that we talked about. Look, here's the, here's the bottom line. Someone's got to stop normalizing this conduct, okay? Now... 
and now whether or not, whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong, the conduct is beneath the office of President of the United States. And, and, and you know, this is the great thing about this country. Booing is allowed, but it doesn't change the truth. It disrespects the Constitution. He said, he said, he said, Martha, it's important to say that the president said, Donald Trump said, it's okay to suspend the Constitution. Now, the oath you take is to preserve, protect, and defend, not suspend. I will always stand up for our Constitution, regardless of the political pressure. Right, we have another question for you. We're going to get everyone in on this issue, but I have another question. I have another question. He feels his rowdy, boy. <laughs> they was not yeah. listening to the moderator. Yeah, there was a point where they, the moderators actually had to stop and ask the crowd to, to stop being so loud. Well, the crowd and oh. the participants. Right. Like Mike Pence is yeah. going over time. Yeah. It's funny. That's right. Yeah. So Chris Christie said what, you know, some of the folks on the stage wanted to say, but couldn't uh, because they lacked the political courage to. Um, even still, at the end, they were asked, or at some point later in the pro in the debate, they were asked if they would still stand by Trump and support Trump if he were... Uh, found guilty. And just about everyone raised their hand. Ramaswamy raised his hand first, you know, kind of shut it up in the air. And then others started to slowly raise their hand, including DeSantis. Uh, Chris Christie, I think at this, that, I think that might have been when he said this particular, you know, thing about Trump and, you know, what he did was wrong and yada, yada. Um, Another point in the debate, another point in the debate, Ramaswamy tried to get Mike Pence to say that he would pardon Trump if Pence was elected president and Pence wouldn't commit. Um, and then there was another interesting part, part, uh, part of the debate around Ukraine um, and if the candidates would support additional funding for the Ukraine war. Uh, Ramaswamy, of course, said no. And then DeSantis said he would not do it if there was not additional funding coming in from Europe. So, uh, you know, you, the debate was, I think, an hour and a half or so. Um, there's one person, and I felt bad about this, Keith, uh, but one person we I didn't pull a clip for, and that was Tim Scott. Um, and I think that is really proof that Tim did not uh, add anything to the debate of any consequence. He did not do anything to stand out. Um, he was one person, there was a couple people who really needed to shine. He was one of them and he did not. And I thought that was really unfortunate for his, um, his prospects. Um, another, um, who I thought had to shine was Nikki Haley and she did. Uh, and then the third was Mike Pence. Um, if you actually looked at who got the most talking time, uh, during the debate, it was actually Mike Pence. He came out strong and he maintained that energy and he had to uh, because he's polling at you know two two percent maybe three percent uh, depending on the poll 
Um, the next debate is September 27th, so about a month from now. That'll be in California at the Regan Library. The stakes are going to be higher, obviously. Um, the, the rules of uh, participation are also going to be higher. So there's a chance that some of the folks on that stage, and I think there were eight people, will not be on the stage in September because they won't have, they will not have met the thresholds of the number of donors they need um, and the threshold on the number of uh, where they rank as far as polls are concerned. They've got to be at least, I think, 4% polling or 3% polling, something to that effect. So they're not going to talk so about we'll like the the paying people for donations just to get on the stage. Yeah, Burgum like, did that. Um, the governor of North Carolina, he paid. Um, no, saying he there's actually, no issue I can't with remember. That? Um, no, it's within the realm. So if it's if it's within the rules, then you know he's going to keep doing it. Wow. But he also has to poll at a particular. Like I said, I think it's 3% or so. So you, it's a yes and. He's got to be able to get individual donors and poll high enough. And that's going to be the question for folks like him and for Asa Hutchinson. So I think those are two people that there's a good chance that they will not be on the debate stage uh, in late September. And then, of course, Trump um, will qualify for the debate but will not participate, I suspect, uh, in the September debate. Watching the debate, there was really no. If I were advising him, I would have told him to to not participate, and I would seeing the debate that that just occurred. I would again encourage him to not participate. There's no upside. Um, it's just remarkable that you had an opportunity for all of these candidates to come out against him um, and pile on, and they didn't. Instead, you had. Uh, Pence going after Ramaswamy. You had Nikki Haley going after everyone. You had DeSantis kind of not really attacking too much of anybody. Um, Tim Scott, the same. Like, this is this is a do-or-die moment, and they did not use that opportunity um, to target, you know, particular people. I feel um, like Vivek set kind of the... Uh, my bad. I feel like Vivek set the tone. That's why I feel like if Vivek would have went for Trump, everybody would have went for Trump. But, but they knew that he wasn't going to go for Trump. I mean, if you paid attention to anything he has said over the past, you know, six months of running, he is not going to go after Trump. So I, I, there's no have, reason for them to have even thought that. But see, I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have known if he would have said that out loud. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I know you'll say it in front of people, but the debate stage is a little bit more public. And oh, if you nah. would have and if you would have doubled down for Trump, I would have just hopped on you and Trump and been like, Well, why are you running against Trump if he is your buddy? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. what's right. what's going on here? But they just instead of could they attack this age? And I feel like that's what shot them in the foot. Because I agree, you know, you know how I feel about the age thing. So yeah, well, you and a lot of people. Yeah. So like, just watching <laughs> yeah. it, it's like, okay, Vivek might sound crazy, but he is trying versus a bunch of you old people who have been here and haven't made any changes. Right, and, and that's basically what he said. I mean, that was a layup for him to attack his age. Was an absolute layup. 
I did like Christy's chat GPT line though. That was fun. That was that hilarious. Was, that was his anger. That was that anger. did crack me up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I, looking forward to seeing the two of them go at it at the next debate. I'm not gonna lie. I, I say this last thing. Um, listening, I was listening to uh, Charlemagne on his podcast talking about Chris Christie and uh, his campaign. Did you hear what he said he should do? He no. said if Chris Christie really wanted to win, all he would have to do is go out in front of America, take off his shirt, and say, hey, this is America. I represent America. We're out of shape. Get in shape with me, and let's get America into shape. And if he goes on a, a weight loss journey from now until the election and actually loses the weight and, like, changes, he could get people on board with him. I, I thought about it. I said that might work, though. That might work, and he would come out better at the end, even if he lost. Oh man! But that would be so good. That would be so good. But I don't you think Christy really wants what's to funny win. Funny is, well, there's a couple things that's really funny about that. There was a can. I'm not going to name a name, but there was a candidate in in Georgia. I'll just say Georgia politics, who was encouraged to do something very similar to that. And they declined. Um, they did end up winning their election, but they declined. And I do think that that would have been like, people would have really rocked with that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, there's um, going to be somebody to do that. And as soon as they do, they're yeah. going to win. But, but you and I and our listeners know that Chris Christie does not want to be president. That is not why Chris Christie is running. Chris Christie is running for president because someone has put him up to it to be the attack dog against Trump. Point blank. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, speaking of campaigns, uh, Joe Biden's got a reelect ad that is making some rounds. Uh, let's take a listen. In a hundred years, the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. But America fought back. Today, unemployment is at record lows. Our economy leading the world. Joe Biden passed historic laws to rebuild the country. But he knows it's the American people who are the heroes of this story. America is back. We've shown each other in the world that there's no quit in America. There's simply no quit in America. In small towns and big cities, we're coming back stronger than ever. Manufacturing jobs are coming home. High-speed computer chips are getting made right here. America is leading the world in clean energy. There are some who say America is failing, not Joe Biden. He believes our best days are ahead because he believes in the American people. Those who bet against America are learning how wrong they are. It's never, ever been a good bet to bet against America. Never. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. All right, that's one of Biden's reelect ads. I wish you could saw my face. I should have put my camera on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't speak to you. No. <laughs> well, I don't know what to say. Uh, there's a, another ad that's interesting that's running in Georgia. is an anti-Trump ad, um, and it uses the mugshot, and it's called. The rule of law matters. Take a listen to this. 
When Donald Trump was president, he thought it didn't matter how many laws and norms he broke. He thought it didn't matter how many lies he told the American people. And it seemed like he could get away with anything. And many of us even started saying, Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Nothing matters anymore. You could flout the law. But this wasn't true. Because in America, the rule of law still matters. And that's why Donald Trump has been charged with 91 felonies in four separate cases for attempting to steal an election, falsifying business records, and mishandling classified information. We've seen what happens when people start believing nothing matters. That's why it doesn't matter that Donald Trump was president of the United States. It doesn't matter that he is currently running for the presidency. This is America. No one is above the law. That's why it matters that Donald Trump faces consequences for his actions. Okay. okay. And that's from the Republican Accountability Project, if I'm not mistaken. So that's not Democrats. That's a group of Republicans. Um, that's the show. Let's move on to party poopers and party starters. <laughs> I think I'm going to make uh, for party pooper um, the rest of the GOP candidates for failing to use the debate as an opportunity to make clear the difference between them and the opposition, particularly Donald Trump. Um, and instead, maybe with the exception of Nikki Haley and sometimes Chris Christie, um, it was really more of the same. And that was a, a real missed opportunity on their part. But that means my party starter is none other than Donald Trump. Why? Well, in the first GOP debate, his opponents defended him at every turn. Um, nearly everyone raised their hand to say that they would vote for him if he won the nomination. You've got Jim Jordan, congressman in the House, who's trying to get the district attorney, Fonnie Willis, removed from office. And I mentioned before, uh, his mugshot has turned into a cash cow of $7 million and counting. Um, but I would say, worst of all, the mainstream media remains obsessed with him. And if you looked at particularly in the aftermath of the mugshot, there was story after story after story of Donald Trump, and it's like the mainstream media never learned from the last news cycles of 2015 and 2016, where you give this man all of the oxygen um, that anyone could possibly want, um, and he dominates the news cycle. And that seems to be continuing um, in 2023 and will continue in 2024 as this trial or the trials uh, bear out. And so um, instead, what ends up happening is that a mugshot turns into a symbol of power um, and a symbol of bucking authority um, and a rallying cry for people. And so um, we'll see what ends up happening. But this week, this past week, Donald Trump was without a doubt the party winner, party starter. Yeah, it was a good day for Republicans, um, all things considered. And I think Democrats really will have to think through uh, how they win in 2024. It's going to be a fascinating time.
I don't know, Keith. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I just hope some of the young energy uh, goes over to the Democratic side. Uh, I think Vivek is showing. Um, I don't think he has a chance in hell, but I think he uh, is showing a lot of like energy and bringing some new ideas to the party. And just because of how Republicans are trying to like reestablish themselves, I could see them taking some of those uh, talking points, you know, and just listening to what millennials think because he does, he might speak for millennials to the Republican party. I don't think he'll be right, but I think he'll have them thinking in that mindset and the Democrats, they have to do the same. They have to start looking towards some millennials and figure out, okay, who's going to be that new energy. But the unfortunate thing for the Democrats is that a lot of millennials won't be as center as they probably want them to be. Right. You know, they're going to be yeah. just as radical as Vivek is on the right. That's how radical they might be on the left. Yeah. So. I, I don't know what the crossover is from a former Andrew Yang voter to a Vivek Ramaswamy voter. Oh, I'd be interested to see that. But I think there is some crossover. There's okay. a little bit of that kind of, you know. Yeah. Reddit or finance bro, yeah, crossover yeah. like how Bernie Bros kind of went for Trump a little, like, yeah, right, I, I can see exactly, that. I can yeah. See that, yeah, yeah. Speaking of Bernie, um, admonished, uh, what's his name? Who's the black guy running for Cornell West? Bernie admonished Cornell West on CNN over the weekend and said, uh, Democrats need to support Biden and. Anything other than supporting Biden guarantees Trump will return to the White House. I thought was interesting. So yeah. Bernie's all in. He's yeah, all he, in for for Biden. He's old, you know. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's old, but he was not. His age did not determine his uh, desire for Biden to be president. I think it does. That to me, I think, I think it's it an. Does. I think Bernie is still anti-establishment, but. He, there's just no other option at the moment for, for Democrats. Yeah, no more no more fight left in him. Oh yeah. dang. I would I don't think he'll <laughs> like that. Yeah. But so you know, sorry, sorry, Bernie. <laughs> sorry, Bernie. <laughs> oh man. Well, we'll see what happens. Um we'll see what happens this week and we'll be talking to you about it next week on Where the Party At. As always, thank you for listening. If you've got something you want to say on the pod, don't forget to leave us a voice note and we'll listen to it and consider airing it on the next show. On the speed pipe. Oh, uh, and rest in peace to the Florida victims. Yes. We didn't, we, Thank we you for saying that. that yes. I three, feel like more three is going to happen. Black people, with the three black people died and um, there's been a lot of uproar in Florida about DeSantis's, um comments and how he has approached it. Um, which is unfortunate, um, but yeah, he got booed. you know, he got booed. Yeah, he he got sure booed did. We have to, to talk about it because because uh, he refused to call it a, a racist incident, incident, mm -hmm. and um, uh, amongst a, a couple of other things. Um, but yes, prayers for uh, Jacksonville and for the families of the victims. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, y'all. Thank you as always for listening listening in. So where the party at? Take care.